0: Chapter 10 of The Red Hell of Jupiter by Paul Ernst. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Red Hell of Jupiter. Chapter 10 The Tank Scheme. Thank God you came when you did, repeated Brand. Then, with a moment in which, figuratively, to get his feet back on earth, the wonder of Dex's appearance struck him. How did you manage to get away? he asked. I was sure. I thought, when they dragged you out of the tower room, I wouldn't see you again." Rapidly Dex gave an account of his ordeal in the torture chamber, telling Brand in a few words how he had attempted to win free of the Rogans, how he had almost succeeded, only to be caught again and clamped to the death plate on the wall. But just as the big fellow was about to cook me for good and all, he concluded, something happened to the current and to the gravity at the same time. That was when I pulled the lever in the dome building," exclaimed Brand. He told of what had befallen him in the Rogan Powerhouse. "'That lever, Dex,' he said swiftly, "'it's the keynote of the whole business. It absolutely controls the pull of gravity, and Lord knows what else besides. If we could only get at it again—perhaps we could not only shut it off so that Jupiter's pull would function again, but also reverse the process so its gravity would be increased.' think what that would mean! Every Rogan in the Red Empire stretched out and immovable, possibly crushed in by his own weight!" "'It's a wonderful thought!' sighed Dex, while Grecka's eyes glowed with a sudden hope for her enslaved race. "'But I don't see how we could ever—' he stopped and glanced in alarm down the passage behind them. Grecka and Brand, hearing the same soft noise, whirled to look too. Far down the passage, just sneaking around the bend was a group of Rogan guards, each armed with a death-tube. "'Back to the pen!' cried Brand. He slid the bolt and jerked the door open. They rushed into the walled enclosure again, the slamming of the door behind them cutting off the enraged squeals of the Rogans. "'This isn't going to mean anything but a short delay, I'm afraid,' said Brand, clenching his fists in an agony of futility. "'They'll be in here in a minute and get us like trapped rats. Not before we get a lot of them," said Dex grimly. "'But that isn't enough, man. We don't want to die, no matter how decently we do it. We've won free, and stayed free this long. Now, somehow, we've got to reach our ship and get back to Earth to warn them of the danger that hides here for our planet.' He strode tensely up and down, smacking his fist into his palm. "'The lever!' he exclaimed. "'That lever! It's our only answer!' if we could get to it! But how can we? We couldn't break into the dome, now the Rogans are on the watch for us, with anything less than a charge of explosives! Or a tank! God, how I'd like to have an old-fashioned fifty-ton army tank here now!" Greca exclaimed aloud as Brand's fleeting mental picture of one of Earth's unwieldy, long-discarded war-tanks registered on her brain. "'There is the great beast there,' she said, hesitantly pointing a slim forefinger at the huge lizard that had backed into a far corner and was regarding them out of dull, savage eyes. Then she shook her head. But that is impossible—impossible! Impossible. The men stared at her, with dawning realization in their minds. Then they gazed at each other. Of course! said Brandt. Of course! Greca, you're marvellous! Wish we had a tank? Why, we've got one! a four-legged mountain of meat that ought to be able to plough through the side of that dome like a battering-ram through cardboard." "'But it's not possible,' replied Greca, her head dropping dejectedly. "'My people, as driven slaves, till the fields with great animals that were trapped in the surrounding jungles. They harness other great animals to haul burdens. But none of the beasts are like this one. This kind cannot be tamed or harnessed. It is too ferocious. It is used only as a scourge of fear, to crush us into complete submission." "'Can't be tamed?' Brand said. "'We'll see about that. Come on, Dex.' "'Just a minute,' said Dex. He flattened against the wall, motioning them to do the same. Then he levelled his tube at the door. Slowly, cautiously, the door began to swing back and the rogan that Dex had heard fumbling with the bolt stuck his huge head out to locate the escaped prisoners. Dex pressed the release coil of his tube. Without a sound the rogan slumped to the ground, a smoking cavity in its shoulders at the spot where its head had been set. In an instant the body too disappeared, an upward coiling wisp of black smoke marking its vanishing. Another rogan, tiptoeing out, met the same fate, and another and then the door was banged shut again and the bolt ground into place on the inside. "'That'll teach him to be careful how they try to rush us from that door,' said Dex through set teeth. Now let us see if that tank scheme of ours can be worked.' He picked up a tube dropped by one of the Rogans and handed it to Brand, showing him which coil to press to get full force, as Greca had in turn informed him. "'Down the field,' commanded Brand. We'll go about thirty yards apart and try to herd this brute back through the walls of the dome building. Once it's inside, we'll try to rush to the lever before the rogans can down us, and jam the thing past its terminal peg and into reverse action. I don't know that there is a reverse to it, but we can try." Grekka, dear.... The girl started at the warmth of his thought, and a faint pink rose to her pale cheeks. You'd better stay by my side. Your place as hostage priestess of your people wouldn't save you if those devils catch you now. Besides, you can keep your tube leveled at the doorway as we go, and discourage any rogans who might pluck up courage to try coming out again." They started down the field toward the nightmare thing that snarled and hissed in its corner. On one side of the big enclosure walked Brand, with Greca close beside him, glancing continuously over her shoulder at the rear door and holding her tube in readiness to check any charge the Rogans might attempt to make from the tower building. On the other side, keeping an equal pace, advanced decks. With tubes of death as whips and with death for themselves set as the stake for which they gambled, they went about their attempt to drive the brainless monster before them through the solid wall of the dome building. And there followed what was probably the strangest animal act the universe has ever witnessed. The first thing to do was to rout the enormous lizard out of the corner where sullen fear had sent it squatting. Dex contrived to do that by standing next to the wall at its side and sending a searing ray that just touched the scaly, tremendously thick hide. The monster bellowed deafeningly, and, with a spot smoking on its flank, waddled sideways to the center of the field. Its head and swaying long neck faced the earthmen, and its back was against the wall of the dome building to that extent at least they had the creature placed, but they soon found that the struggle had only just begun. Brand got far enough around to focus his tube on the tip of the huge tail, in an effort to swing the gigantic thing about. There was an unearthly shriek from the colossal beast, and a foot and a half of its tail disappeared. "'Careful!' called Dex, his jaw set and grim as the monster lashed out in its wrath, if you bore in too long with that tube, there'll be nothing left of our tank but a cloud of smoke." Bran nodded wordlessly, walking on the balls of his feet like a boxer, holding himself ready to swerve the thing should it charge them. Which, next instant, it did. With a whistling bellow it gathered its tons of weight and thundered with incredible quickness at the gnats that were stinging its flanks and tail. Desperately, Brand played the tube across the vast chest, scoring a smoldering gash in the scale-covered flesh just above the gash Dex had seared a few moments before. "'Sorry, old fellow,' Brand muttered to the screaming beast. "'We hate to bait you like this, but it has to be done. Come on now, through that wall behind you and give us a chance at the lever.' But through the wall behind it the vast creature, not unnaturally, refused to go. It darted from side to side, backward and forward, up to the wall, only to back bewilderedly away from it, and constantly the tubes flicked their blistering, maddening rays along its monstrous sides and tail, as the earthmen tried to guide it into the wall. "'Hope there's enough left of it to do the trick,' said Brand, white-lipped. The monster was smoking in a dozen spots now, and several of the hump-like scales on its back had been burned away till the vast spine looked like a giant saw that was missing a third of its teeth. God, I'm thinking we'll kill it before we can drive it through that wall! Greca nodded soberly, keeping her eyes on the distant door to their rear. Twice that door had been opened, and twice she had directed the death-rays into its opening to mow down the gangling figures behind it. But she had said nothing of this to her man. He was busy enough with his own task. The door to the dome!" Dex shouted suddenly. But Brand merely nodded, even as a discharge from his tube annihilated the Rogan that had appeared in the doorway before them. He had seen that door stealthily opening even before Dex had. It had better be soon, Dex, he called. Rogan's in front of us, Rogan's behind us, and—look out—on your side of the fence, there! Dex whirled in time to pick off a grotesque pipe-like figure that had suddenly appeared on the broad wall of the enclosure. Then he turned to the frenzied problem of driving the monster through the building wall. "'The thing's going mad, Brand!' he cried, his voice high-pitched and brittle. "'Watch out!' It was only too evident that this statement was true. The baited monster, harried blindly this way and that, hounded against the blank wall behind it by something that bit chunks of living flesh out of its legs and sides, was losing whatever instinctive mental balance it ever had. Its dimly functioning brain, probably no larger than a walnut in that gigantic skull, ceased more and more to guide it. With a rasping screen that set the earthman's teeth on edge, it charged for the wall on Dex's side. Dex just managed to swerve it with a blast from the tube so prolonged that half its great lower jaw fell away. At this the titanic thing went wholly, colossally mad. It whirled toward Brand, jerking around again as a searing on that side jarred its dull sensory nerves, then headed at last straight toward the stone wall of the dome building. With the rays from both tubes flicking it like monstrous spurs, it charged insanely toward the bulge of the circular wall. With all its tons and tons of weight it crashed against the stonework. There was a thunderous crackling noise, and the wall sagged in perceptibly, while the metal roof bent to accommodate the new curvature of its supporting beams. The monstrous lizard, jerked off its huge legs by the impact, staggered up and retreated toward the two men. But again the maddening pain in its hindquarters sent it careening toward the building wall, this time it raised high up on its hind legs in a blind effort to climb over it. "'God, it must be five stories tall!' ejaculated Brand. Thunderingly, its forelegs came down on the edge of the roof. There was another deafening crash of stone and shrieking of torn metal. Just under the cornice, the wall sagged away from the roof and the top rows of heavy stone blocks slithered inward. "'Again!' shouted Brand. His tube was pointing almost continuously now at the metal door leading from the dome building. The Rogans inside, at the shocks that were battering down a section of their great building, were all trying to get out to the yard at once. In a stream they rushed for the doorway. And in loathsome heaps they fell at the impact of the ray. And shriveled to nothingness on the bombarded threshold. Once more! Brand repeated, his voice hoarse and tense. And, as though the monster heard and understood, it rushed again with all its vast weight and force against the wall in a mad effort to escape the things that were blasting the living flesh from its colossal framework. This charge was the last. With a roaring crash, a section of the building thirty yards across went back and down leaving the massive roof to sag threateningly on its battered trusswork. It was as though the side of an ant-heap had been ripped away. Inside the domed building, hundreds of rogans ran this way and that on their elongated legs, squealing in their staccato, high-pitched tongue. With blind fury the mad monster charged in through the gaping hole it had battered for itself. In all directions the rogans scattered. Then an authoritative tall figure with a tube in each of its four sucker-disks whipped out a command and pointed to the great coils which lay immediately in the berserk monster's path. The command restored some sort of order. Losing their fear of the beast in their greater fear of the damage it might do, the rogues massed to stop it before it could demolish the rogue heart of power. At this point, Brand saw an opening of the kind he had been praying for. The Rogans had retreated before the terrific charge of the monster, in such a way that the space between its vast bulk and the control board was clear. "'After me!' he shouted to Dex. "'One of us has got to reach that lever while the creature's still there to shield us!' The two earthmen dashed through the jagged hole in the wall and raced to the control board just as the huge lizard, a smoking mass, sank to the floor. Brand gazed almost fearfully at the lever-slot. Was there a reverse to the gravity control action? There was room in the slot for the lever to be pulled down below the neutral point, if that meant anything. Behind them the great bulk of the dead lizard was disappearing with incredible quickness under the rays of the tubes directed on it. Now the pumpkin-shaped heads on the opposite side were visible through a fleeting glimpse of a skeleton that was like the framework of a skyscraper. And now the colossal bones themselves were melting, while over everything hung a pall of greasy black smoke. "'Hurry for God's sake!' gasped Dex. Brand threw down the lever till it stuck. At once that invisible ocean poured crushingly over them, throwing them to their knees and sweeping the rogans flat on their hideous faces, just as half a hundred tubes were flashing down to point at the earthmen. "'More if you can!' grated decks, whirling this way and that and spraying the mast rogans with his death-dealing tube. Dozens went up in smoke under that discharge, but other dozens remained to raise themselves laboriously and slowly level their suddenly ponderous weapons at the earthmen. Brand set his jaw and threw all his weight on the lever. It bent a little, caught at the neutral point, and then jammed down an appreciable distance beyond it. Instantly, the blue streamers that had stopped their humming progress from coil to coil with the movement of the switch to neutral started again in reverse direction, and instantly the invisible ocean pressed down with appalling, devastating force. Greca and Brandon decks were flattened to the floor as if by blankets of lead, and the scattered Rogans about them ceased all movement whatever. Oh! sobbed Greca, fighting for breath. Oh!" We can't stand this, panted Dex. We fixed the Rogans all right, but we fixed ourselves too. That lever has to go up a bit—Bran nodded, finding his head almost too heavy for his neck to move. Sweat beaded his forehead, sweat that trickled heavily off his face like drops of liquid metal. With a tremendous struggle he got to his knees beneath the master switch. There he found it impossible to raise his arms, but leaning back against the control board and so getting a little support, he contrived to lift his body up enough to touch the downslanting lever with his head and move it back along its slot a fraction of an inch. The giant coils hummed a note lower, and some of the smashing weight was relieved. "'That does it, I think,' Brand panted, his voice husky with exhaustion and triumph. He began to crawl laboriously toward the nearest street exit. "'On our way,' he said vibrantly, "'to the spaceship, We leave for earth at once!' Slowly, fighting the sagging weight of their bodies, the two earthmen inched their way to the street, helping Greca as they went. Among the sprawled forms of the Rogans they crept, with great dull eyes rolling helplessly to observe their progress and with feeble squeals of rage and fear and malediction following their slow path. On the street a strange and terrible sight met their eyes. Strewn over the metal paving, like wheat-stalks crushed flat by a hurricane, were thousands of rogans. Not a muscle of their pipe-like arms or legs could they move. But the gravity that crushed them rigidly to the ground did not quite hold motionless the shorter and more sturdily built slaves among the thousands of squealing, panting Rogans that lay as though paralyzed on the metal paving, crawled equal thousands of Grecas enslaved people, their eyes flamed with fanatic hate. And methodically, not knowing what had caused their loathed masters to be stricken helpless, and not caring as long as they were helpless, the slaves were seeking out the shock-tubes that here and there had fallen from the clutch of Rogan guards. Already many had found them and everywhere gangling, slimy bodies were melting in oily black smoke that almost instantly vanished in thin air. As it was in these streets and in the great square in the center of which rested the earthmen's ship, just so, they knew, was it being repeated all over the Red Empire. Slowly crawling, fiercely exulting slaves were exterminating the tyrannous things that had held them so long in dreadful bondage. Before the sun should set on another flashing Jovian day, there would be no Rogan left in the red spot." "'And so it ends,' said Brand, with a great sigh. He moved over beside Greca and touched her lovely bare shoulders. They were shaking convulsively, those shoulders, and she had buried her face in her hands to keep from gazing at the ghastly carnage. Brand pressed her to him. "'It's terrible, yes.' But think what it means. The knell of all the Rogans has been sounded today. As soon as the secret of these death tubes has been analyzed by our science and provided against, my friend and I will return from Earth with a force that shall clear the universe of the slimy devils. Meanwhile, your people are safe here. With the gravity what it is, no Rogan attacking hordes can land. They crawled tortuously over the square to the spaceship. Brand turned again to Greca, and now, in his eyes, was a look that needed no language of mind or tongue for its complete expression. Will you come to earth with me, Greka, and stay by my side till we return to set your people in power again? Grecka shook her head slowly, reluctantly. My people need leaders now. I must stay and help direct them in their new freedom. But you—you'll come back with the others from earth? try and stop him," grinned Dex, "'and try and stop me, too.' "'From what I know now of the way they grow em on your satellite,' his eyes rested on Greca's beauty with an admiration that turned her to rosy confusion, "'I'd say I'd found the ideal spot to settle down in.' Bran laughed. "'He's answered for me, too. And now a salute that is used on earth to express a promise.' He kissed her to her utter astonishment and perplexity, but to her dawning pleasure. Good-bye for a little while. The two earthmen hoisted themselves heavily over the sill of the control room of their ship and crawled inside. They secured the trapdoor and turned on the air-rectifiers. Brand moved to the controls, waved to Greca, who was smiling at him through the glass panel, and pointed the ship on its triumphant, four-hundred-million-mile journey home. THE END OF THE RED HELL OF JUPITER by Paul Ernst